Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Changing the Field, number 34. Today is March 15th. You find this episode on YouTube, all over the place. Uh, today, we got a former Stony Brook defensive back who is now a professional career coach that helps athletes transition in their lives after sports. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Taj Deshaun. Taj Deshaun, welcome to Changing the Field, man. Host of Thrive After Sports podcast. You got a book. You're doing big things, man. I'm trying to, man. I appreciate you having me, Jeff. Uh, ever since we connected, man, I've become a big fan of what you're doing. So it's a pleasure to be here. We were having a good conversation before you hit record. So I already know this is going to be great for people tuning in, man. Appreciate you for having me. Absolutely, man. It's an honor to have you. Like I was mentioning off mic or off cam, uh, watching you and, and watching kind of how your career has grown and kind of playing spectator and consumer of your material from the outside. It's been, um, I'd be lying if I said that you weren't a big inspiration for a lot of the stuff I do. And for any of the listeners out there checking me out, uh, I would like to announce it that Taj is like the, the upper, upper level of what I'm doing, which is I'm like very organic, you know, very, um, you know, grassroots and stuff like that, but you've really kind of figured out the mechanism and, and, you know, this whole athlete retirement thing. So I just want to give you props for that, man. And, and say, uh, I'm honored that you would be willing to come on my show. Well, thank you, man. I think you're giving me too much credit, Jeff. I just hit the, I just jump on zoom and hit record just like you brother, but I definitely appreciate it. <laughs> I've been working on trying to receive words of affirmation more instead of brushing them off. So I received that. I thank you for that. Uh, I'm honored by your words. And uh, I really am honored to be here. The fact that you think highly enough to even say something about, say something like that about me and to invite me onto your show. I'm humble, man. I'm just happy to be here. So I appreciate you. Absolutely. Very cool, man. Uh, so for the listeners, uh, a little bit of, that I could find about your athletic background was played some college football at Stony Brook uh, and then ended up going, your, your transition out of sports is, I feel like it's really well documented with your book with your podcast, with your website, and uh, kind of some of the struggles you went through. First things first, though, you you ended up playing at Stony Brook. Are you from the New York area? No, nah, man, I'm actually from California. I grew up in the Inland Empire, the IE, which is, for those people who don't know, it's basically east of L.A., east of Pasadena. I was born in Pasadena, which is east of L.A., and then okay. my family moved to the IE. So I grew up in Southern California and ended up going to Stony Brook. And I do say ended up because I didn't have the best junior year, right? I had a solid junior year, but not enough to get attention from big schools. So I didn't really get my first offer to the end of my junior year. That was from University of Minnesota, which I verbally committed to. Um, ended up having a coaching change there. So the coach who was recruiting me left. And then I was left with a handful of schools. I won't name them because I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. But I took some visits to these schools and, and whether it was like the type of education they were offering or just the area wasn't a good fit. Stony Brook came in last minute, you know, smaller D1 school out on the East Coast, very close to New York City uh, by train, like 40 minutes by train. So I uh, took a visit out there with my family and just academically and uh, me just kind of being mesmerized by New York City. We, we decided that was going to be the best fit for me. Plus, man, 
I was cocky back then, Jeff. So I was thinking like, you know, I had all these bigger offers like Minnesota, like schools in the big 10 and all that. And I was like, um, I, I kind of figured I was going to go be the big fish in a small pond. And it didn't really turn out that way, but that was my mindset back then for, for going to Stony Brook. Okay. Um, so what was like, was there like a culture shock for you coming from West coast to like the East, East coast, like big city? Yeah, that's East, East coast. Like you said, man, you hit the nail right on the yes. head. For sure. <laughs> there was a culture shock, bro. I was, I was homesick for at least a couple of months. I was homesick. Cause obviously we get there for summer, summer camp, you know, that you're a baller too, but, uh, I was homesick for the entire freshman football camp I really didn't start getting into my groove and enjoying it until um the other students were back on campus and school started and then there was parties and stuff and girls and I was like yeah I like New York now this is great <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome that's cool uh yeah I kind of can't had a similar experience I didn't go all the way across the country to get it though it's kind of funny uh I'm, I ended up playing ball at USF and that was only about 90 miles away from my original hometown. So I was thinking like, this is going to be right playing next door. Like no big deal, man. I would be lying if I told you, I didn't feel the same homesickness, man. I remember the day my mom went to drop me off, man. I was heartbroken. <laughs> I was like, man, like this is, this is going to be tough. Like I got a roommate. I got to share a bathroom with four other dudes. Like this is not, this is not what it is, man. But you know, you end up getting over that kind of stuff and, and kind of marching on, getting in with your career. Um, so what's the reason or what's what's the, um, if you can remember a specific time when you really fell in love with football, if you did, what what did that look like for you? Like as a kid or, you know, a little bit older, like when did you, when did you actually feel like you fell in love with the game? I'd have to say, man, I fell in love with it probably – my second year at Pop Warner, because my first year I wasn't very good. What inspired me to play football was uh, was Remember the Titans. That movie had come out around the same time and that I wanted to play football. So it was just like, whoa, I want to be like those guys. And it's amazing because they were supposed to be in high school at the time, but they seemed like grown men. And it was amazing to me. Like, I want to be like that. I want to wear a Letterman jacket. Um, so I started playing football, man. That was actually at the age of 10. Uh, wasn't very good. You know, I was like, I was a tight end, but they never threw me the ball, which is kind of, you know, it was just red. I was just like, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I respect the honesty, brother, man. But it was tough because I was just blocking the whole time. And, you know, I really wanted to play receiver, but they put me at tight end. I think I was one of the bigger kids. But long story short, man, um, my second year at Pop Warner, I moved to linebacker because I was still one of the bigger kids. And I just fell in love with like, delivering the boom man I just love hitting people it, it was just so much fun because I was a very hyper kid so to be able to just go to practice and games on Sundays and just blow kids up um and then that was good <laughs> so you start getting the praise for it you know so I fell in love with yep. it then and then by the time I got to high school freshman year of high school I was playing corner because obviously I wasn't the bigger linebacker bodybuild anymore but I was playing corner and safety uh by the time I got to high school my freshman year and through the rest of my career and then I really fell in love with it because the idea of getting a scholarship was definitely on my radar by the time I was a freshman. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That idea of the scholarship was what definitely motivated me into the, into the, the darkness, if you will, the long <laughs> hours and the the motivation and discipline as a high school kid to be getting up at five in the morning and lifting weights and all that. That's uh, something that I think maybe kind of goes overlooked by some athletes is that uh, 
especially when it comes to like retirement transition, which we'll get into in a little bit, but uh, there's a lot of transferable skills in between playing. And then as you make your, your career and your life afterwards that kind of continue on with you, um, what was your favorite aspect of the sport of football? What did you really feel like you got from it? There's so many things, man. Uh, my favorite thing, and I, as I've started to reflect on this over the years, my favorite thing has really been like running with others to attain a common goal, like just the camaraderie of your boys and everyone, you know, no matter what you look like, no matter what race you are, no matter where you came from, like everyone's on the same page, willing to die for each other and just literally sacrifice their bodies every single day, day in and day out. Um, and that has become one of my favorite things about the game, specifically of football, because now as I start to look, you know, as I've branched off into entrepreneurship and I got a few different projects, a few different things I'm working on, that's one of my favorite things about it, man. You start to meet the people like you and I connected. We have the same mission, the same mindset. We're running in the same direction. And it's exciting because like, ah, now me and Jeff, you know, we're boys now. We never even met in person, but I consider you one of my boys yeah. and we're going to be running together for the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years, man, whatever that looks like. So, yeah, man, that's that's my oh, favorite yeah. thing about the game of football. Yeah, it is weird because now it's like as this kind of as this podcast has kind of grown and I've I've you know, gotten to connect with people from the West coast, from the East coast and stuff like that. That's one of the things that keeps coming up is when I ask that question, it's always the brotherhood. It's the, the bond, it's the team thing. And you think, you know, because I, I bet a lot of athletes don't get exposed like we do to other, you know, football players from different teams and, and colleges and stuff like that. But there really is like this shared uh, experience where it's like, it's almost kind of similar to like the, a military thing. Like if, if you were in the Navy, but you know, I was in the army and this guy was in the Marines and we all kind of look at each other and we're like, we might give each other like, like, like crap or something like that about who we played for. But at the end of the day, it's like, I, I see, you know, you went through the same thing I went through. Like we understand on that level. So I, I totally agree with you on that. Uh, kind of sidetracking here. When you were growing up, did you have any, because now you're an entrepreneur, you got a book, you got a podcast, you're uh, super creative. Uh, where did this come from? And did you have any other interests as you were growing up as a kid, like playing piano, like anything? Uh, I was really into music, man. And it's funny you say that because me getting into entrepreneurship, I almost felt like I didn't have a choice. And I say that because I knew I was not going to last long in the corporate world. I tried, man. I really tried. I never, I don't think I lasted at any job more than a year. Um, and that's not to say I wasn't good at the job. I just, it just, it's not for everybody, man. You know, and a lot of people, it's not for them either, but yet they never put in the effort to get out of it, you know? Um, so basically <laughs> I like to start with this. I was always heavily into music, even in college, like I would make beats and uh, you know, we would, we would make like funny songs, not even like something to be serious, like funny songs we could play in the locker room and get a laugh out of everybody. And I was always a producer. So when I graduated from college, I wanted, I saw my mom and dad grow up and they created a great life for my brother and I. Um, and they worked in, you know, the corporate world and they still do, but they were, they're not very happy. Like they don't, they don't enjoy what they do, you know? And obviously they busted their ass. Like I said, they gave my brother and I a great life. We were very fortunate. But at the same time, they came home miserable, drained, got to, you know, have a glass of wine to unwind for the day. And I seeing that growing up, I'm like, OK, yeah, I get it. You got to sacrifice for your family and, and do the hard stuff. But I also wanted to find a way to find enjoyment in what I did. 
So at first I wanted to get into the music industry because I'm like, hey, I'm making beats. You know, I live close enough to Hollywood to where I can build connections. And um, yeah, man, that's I'm sorry, I forgot your original question. I started going off on a tangent, bro. <laughs> hey, no, that's good. That's perfect. Uh, a lot of good stuff in there. Um, the original question was asking, um, I like to get an idea of and kind of give other people uh, the opportunity to uh, kind of describe themselves as a kid outside of, you know, playing football, because a lot of us, man, it ends up being that dedication 24 seven. And that's part of the reason why it's so hard when you're retired is because now that's kind of gone. But, you know, as we look back on ourselves as I, cause I like one of the things I used to do, I was like, you know, super into football, but as a kid growing up, I loved, you know, playing video games or I love doing stuff, you know, just outside of the the athlete thing. So that was my original question was, um, you know, like, where did you have any other passions? And you mentioned music. So making beats and stuff like that. Do you still do any of that? Is that like a hobby or are you just like so dialed in, wrapped up right now with with running businesses and writing books? Yeah, man, more so of a hobby these days. But to your point about childhood, I'm glad you brought it back to that because I really didn't have any other interests outside of, you know, I like listening to music, but I wasn't creating it. I like playing video games too, but I never thought about like being a video game designer any of that. It was just like football, football, football and school until, you know, from the age of 10 all the way up to the age of 22. So to your point, I had to sort of, once I graduated, try to reinvent my identity. And the thing I gravitated to was music because I was like, oh, if I can get good at this, then this will be a way for me not have to go work a corporate job. You know what I mean? So I mm -hmm. really dove headfirst into that. And um, that eventually that ended up fizzling out because I realized that I realized that I wasn't willing to sacrifice. And what that means is like, you know how it is. If you want to, the people who are really about it, it's full time. Like people who make music and dedicate their lives to music. It's kind of, it's kind of how I was describing earlier. Like you have to be all in, like you have to feel like you don't have a choice. And I started to get to a point where it's like, I'm not willing to like be broke and like couch surfing and all that type of stuff to be an artist. Um, so I started going back on my journey of like, what is it that I'm willing to do that for? And of course I eventually found it, which we'll probably get, but uh, yeah, man, that's, I didn't have any other interests, even out. It was just football from the age of 10 on, man. Yeah. Hey, that sounds very familiar, man. That was uh, pretty much me uh, as soon as I hit 12 years old. What, this is kind of um, off track, but just kind of leading off something that you said. What about the corporate world were you uh, like opposed to? Like what, what, what didn't feel right to you? Everything. <laughs> Everything. Um, I say that because I felt like the thing about, at least it was the jobs I was choosing, right? So let me say that. This is not, I don't want to generalize and be like the corporate world as a whole. It's bad. It's a combination of the jobs I was choosing and how I'm wired as a person uh, to not have been a good fit for those roles. So mm. it's the rigid structure, right? It's uh, having to physically be somewhere. And this was pre-COVID. I was thinking like this. I'm like, you know, I graduated in 2013. So I really got my first job around 2014, 2015. And I'm like, it's, it's 2015. There's no reason I should have to sit in traffic and put on a and drive off every day. It's the sense. Like straight hours a day when I'm in four hours. You know what I mean? So what ended up happening, it kind of leads to what I'm doing now, but 
I realized that, okay, I'm not going to be broke for X amount of years doing music, right? So I'm like, okay, now my next goal became, I got to get out of my mom and dad's house. You know how it is, man. You enjoy that mm. freedom of yes. being in college and be standing on your own too, being feeling like a man. And then you go back home and I got my mom telling me to take out the trash. So I'm like, man, this, <laughs> all right, I'm going to put the music on hold. My next goal is to get enough money to move out. So like most athletes, like a lot of athletes, I gravitated sales. People tell athletes to get into sales because, hey, sales jobs are always hiring, which is great. And I started thinking, hey, I'm a competitor. I can get into a sales role. Never stop the question, what type of industry? Never stop the question, what type of product? I was just like, I'm going to go get some money. And needless to say, it doesn't take very long before that leads to burnout. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So started in sales. Eventually, I moved into recruiting because I felt like recruit. I'm a people person. So I felt like recruiting is a great way to, for me to still be competitive and put up numbers like placement numbers. But I get to help people and work directly with people instead of, uh, you know, pushing a product on them. And eventually I, I built a great career in recruiting um, that led to some other opportunities where I was basically recruited as a recruiter and a job developer uh, for low income families in San Diego. And I thought that was oh. going to be my career. But I always had this itch to go into entrepreneurship. And uh, that's that's that was the last real job that I had where I was helping people and doing recruiting. And there's, we can get into it, man. There's a whole series of events that happened, like where I was getting signs to make the leap and to jump into this type of work. So. Mm. OK, it's funny that you mentioned the signs that you get along the way, because a lot of it's so unplanned. And then it's just like, like. You should be turning here. You should be, this is, this is what you, you just enjoyed this activity that you just did for two and a half hours. Like, why aren't you doing this more? Like, right. It's, it's wild. It's wild how life pulls you in different directions. Uh, kind of getting back on your football career. You mentioned that you played until you were 22 years old. Do you feel like you, uh, you accomplished everything that you wanted to within the game? Absolutely not. And it still bothers me to this day, man. If anything, I feel like I almost have a little bit, and I've done a lot of inner work around this, but I feel like I have a little bit of a chip on my shoulder to where, because for a while I used to have the mentality of, hey, your football career didn't go the way you wanted to, like you're a failure, right? And so I was mm -hmm. able to shift that. And I teach this to a lot of people too, like, okay, your athletic career didn't go the way you want to. So you can use that to fuel you in this next endeavor. Like, I'm going to make sure that this next thing I go for, I'm going to go all out. I'm going to make it to the top, not even about like beating other people, but like make it to the top of my personal best. So overall, man, I feel like, um, but I can say this, I make peace with it because I feel like at Stony Brook, um, truth be told, man, a lot of people will tell you when their career doesn't go the right way, they blame it on politics, right? But, so I hate to be that guy, but I'm gonna say it anyway. I had, there's things I could have done better, whole heart, like 100%. I think I had a bad attitude. Um, there was a lot of coaching changes, so, when new coaches would come in, they would bring their players. I wouldn't even get a shot. They would just immediately put them in front of me. Eventually, that caused me to kind of shut down, right, and not even really try anymore and then have an attitude towards the coaches. I was always cool with my teammates. You know, those are my brothers. But the coaching staff, mm. I was like, if you're not going to give me a chance, then it's like, F you. You know what I mean? Um, but eventually, I can say this, man. My senior year, I got to a point where I knew I left it all out there on the field. And I started to snap out of that. And even if I was like the second string or third string guy, if it was time for me to go in, I was always ready. I always performed. I was always performing at practice. So when it was all said and done, when I look back at it, although it didn't go the way I would have liked it to, I can, I can honestly say as it started to wind down, I gave it my all. And that gives me peace knowing that I really couldn't have done anything better towards the tail end, you know? Yeah, 
Absolutely. Yeah. That's, um, I ended up, uh, having a couple of pretty serious like injuries as I was playing and, you know, I, I can answer the same question the same way that you did is that I didn't really feel like I accomplished everything that I wanted to when I was playing, but the things that I did make it through ended up being big sources of pride for me later in life. Like, I mean, if I could make it through that, like, you know, like anything, anything that life's going to throw at me at this point, I mean, most things, I, I feel like I at least have the confidence to push through it at this, at this point. That's right. Um, yeah. So how was, how was the transition? Like what, what was, what did the decision to retire look like to you? Did you pursue playing professionally? Did you pursue uh, European league, anything after school or where was it like, you know, senior day, final day, I'm out of this, please. <laughs> yeah. I knew, I knew I was done, man. I didn't have any, I didn't have the type of career where I was going to get an opportunity to play professionally. So honestly, going into my senior year, I was mentally prepared for this is it. But I wasn't mentally prepared for what I was going to do next because I always just kind of figured that everything was going to work itself out. You know, I started to have some concerns. Like I would see guys who graduated before me and they were unemployed or they were working at Home Depot or something. And I'm like, oh, man, this dude has a degree. He's working at Home Depot. Like, you know, I started to get a little uh antsy like okay i got my degree paid for but uh you know everything's always worked itself out for me i got this i got this degree no college debt so i'm gonna go back home i'll find a job i'll be making six figures by the time i'm 25 no big deal i'll work it out and obviously <laughs> i was in for a rude awakening when i moved back home brother so everyone has that i feel like i thought i thought by now i easily easily be a millionaire <laughs> you know, not saying that we're not but <laughs> you know, right like, i just I don't know. It's like, hey, the NFL thing didn't work out, but I was always destined for greatness. Like <laughs> money's sure. just going to flow right in my pocket. And then you find out the reverse is true. Money is constantly going to be flowing out of your pocket. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a sure balancing act that we play, man. Do you remember uh, when you made the decision to retire to kind of hang up the cleats or anything like that? Do you remember the first person that you had the conversation with? Like, hey, you know, mom, hey, dad, girlfriend, anyone like that? Man, I went completely into isolation. So it was like I moved home and reality just smacked me in the face. Right. So I was dating a girl at the time and she was on the East Coast, too. And we were both from the same area. So just picture this. Right. I I fly back from Stony Brook. I'm like, OK, cool. I got this degree. Time to figure out what I'm going to do now. You know, I wasn't even like overwhelmed by it. I'm just like, like I said, it's just going to work itself out. My girlfriend at the time, she got a master's degree. She did like an accelerated program. So we're back home and she's right out the gate making like 60K, you know, and I'm at home trying to be a producer. So it was it was weighing on me very heavily. And um, I started to sink into this depression, man. And I was probably in it for a solid year and a half to two years. And then there was like, you know, I was working myself out of it after that. But I'm talking about like, drinking smoking all the time <clears throat> going out partying just to distract myself from the fact that I was unemployed and so I really didn't talk to anybody man and I have a great loving supporting family and they tried man they're like hey you know we, we know something's going on with you but because I didn't really understand it at the time I couldn't really articulate what was going on because I didn't really get it you know mm -hmm. I'm just like man I feel pretty shitty right now and I always say that me and my boys we were all back home lost because I had a few players, a few guys that I graduated with who went on to play D1. And here we are all back home, unemployed, pissed off, um, 
I call it like an extended college because we just went out and drank all the time, like Thursday through Sunday, mm. trying to distract ourselves from our situation. Um, I mean, I would talk to them about it, but that's not even talking about it because we we're all just kind of complaining about our and feeling sorry for ourselves, you know. But uh, mm. yeah, man, I, I had people I could have. That's the best way for me to answer this question, Jeff. I had people that I could have talked to, but because I didn't understand it and because I wasn't willing to be vulnerable and open up or ask for help. I isolated myself and didn't talk to anyone. I just tried to mask it instead. So here's a million dollar question then. What do you feel like started getting you out of that depression? Because a year and a half, two years sounds pretty much on par with really any athlete from any sport that I've talked to is that like we mentioned, uh, I think it was before the podcast actually started about uh, the term that keeps sticking with me. A, a former guest used it was that postpartum period of, you know, two years, three years after football, after basketball, after baseball, whatever you were doing, where uh, that funk, you know, for lack of a better word sets in. And it's like, damn, like you just feel like you can't get your footing. Cause it's like, I'm not putting on pads on a Tuesday to go, you know, smash my head into somebody. Like, <laughs> what, what am I doing at this point? Like, what does this even look like? What? So to get back to it, million dollar question, what, what helped you get out of that moment, get out of that period of time? I think I realized that I had a choice to make. And I realized that my I, and the choice was I could either continue feeling sorry for myself or I could get up off my ass and do something about it. You know, so from that point, I started to really tap into the athletic mindset, that go getter to put myself in position. Now, I'll preface that by saying I had no clarity. Like I said, I was just looking for sales jobs and stuff. But at least I was being productive, you know, like trying to get on my feet and get some income coming in. That's the first step. Mm -hmm. But I would go from like, oh, I'll apply to a job or two here and then I'll just smoke and chill for the rest of the day and watch Netflix. I went from that sort of mindset to like, nah, I'm going to apply to 50 jobs today. Matter of fact, after I apply to these 50, I'm going to line up like another 50 so that when I wake up tomorrow, I already have like the emails ready to go and everything ready to go so I can wake up and just hit send. And I started becoming obsessed with basically I started fighting for my life, man, like fighting to put myself back in a good position, you know? And, and that was mm. the mindset I adopted. And then I started diving into more personal development. Um, I fell in love with reading again. I had a great teammate. Shout out to him. If he's listening to this, uh, my big bro has one crookshake. He graduated like two years ahead of me and he started sending me books. He was actually doing that my senior year um, after he graduated, but he started, he would always like text me, Hey, you should check out this book. And so I started creating a book list and then I was just like running through books and I started listening to podcasts and just filling up my mind with positive things and really, really being focused on progressing and not just, you know, being still trying to numb the pain and feeling sorry for myself. So yeah, man, that's what snapped me out of it. I just made a decision. And I tell people that all the time, like you have a choice to make, you know what I mean? Cause no one can do it. For you. No one's going to come kick in your door and pull you up out of bed when you've been sleeping in until 11 AM or noon. <laughs> no one's going to slap the right. bottle out of your hand. If anything, the people you're drinking around are probably going to encourage you to get another bottle. So, you know, you gotta, right. you gotta save yourself at a certain point. And that's what I did. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Great words of wisdom. Uh, as, as for, like how you got into the, the athlete, uh, transition coaching. And I, you, I've listened to your podcast. It's fantastic. Uh, I don't want to date this show too bad. Cause I usually release these a couple of weeks after we ended up recording them, but I listened to your, you know, Jelani Jenkins interview. I listened to a couple of the first ones you did and I've been just kind of scrolling through it, man. 
it seems like over time you've really refined your process and now you're taking, you know, I, I know you started, uh, you mentioned three years ago that you started doing this athlete transition coaching. What, what does that model look like for you? Like, what's like, what's like a typical customer that comes to you and, and, you know, how does that, how does that work for you? That's a great question, man. The typical, uh, a typical athlete that I'm coaching, they're from any athletic background. I started out with just football. Um, matter of fact, let me, let me, this will give you some, some context. I'll pick up where I left off with where I was at in recruiting, right? So I'm in this recruiting role. This is how this whole transition coaching thing came about. I'm in this, it was like my second, it was my third recruiting role, uh, working with low income families, doing, developing jobs and uh, doing like community development. So very fulfilling work, you know, helping people really literally get back on their feet and saving their families making great money, um, but still unfulfilled, still like good money, doing good work, but I feel like I'm being called to do more. And I, I call it having my antennas up. Like I was kind of looking for, maybe I'll be a personal trainer, whatever it is that was going to allow me to set my own schedule and be my own boss. Right. So I'm getting frustrated because I'm like looking for something to do that I can have my own business. Nothing's coming. I knew nothing about business. And the crazy thing happened, Jeff, like, uh, there was like a three month period where I started having guys come out to visit me. It was like five of my teammates who just so happened to be in town and wanted to link up. These are former teammates from Stony Brook and they would come visit. And even some of them were even there at the same time, you know, and they were all like, Taj, how are you doing this, man? Like I'm back home struggling. I could barely afford my flight out here. I just, you know, and so I started coaching these guys, man, like unofficially. Um, and even when they would fly back home, we would have calls on the weekends or, I would talk to him before work or after work. And I started to fall in love with that, man. And then it started to expand. And then they would like refer me like, hey, Taj, can you talk to my cousin? You know, she just, um, I remember specifically, she was like a, a female a basketball player. She played women's basketball at TCU. And this dude, one of my teammates, he was like, hey, can you talk to my cousin? She's having a hard time too. So I'm like, oh, this is more than just football players. So then at that point, as I'm coaching her, I started doing research. And looking for what was available specifically for collegiate players after college. transition. And as you and I, Jeff, there's virtually nothing, right? So I'm, I'm right. doing research. I'm not coming up with anything. Of course, you got your job placement agencies that will, you know, they'll hire, they'll hire a former athlete because they're looking to hire athletes and there's high turnover in these roles. I'm not knocking those places. They help people earn an income and that's great. But what I was looking for was like a holistic approach to help an athlete transition and figure out what they wanted to do, because that was something I didn't have. That was something my teammates didn't have and all these people I was coaching didn't have. So at that point, I was like, OK, I'm going to actually get serious about this and develop some curriculum. So I took what I was doing and really refined it and created like a process. And we can get into the process if you want to a little bit later. But I created a full process to take a former athlete, not just from figuring out what they want to do, but like being able to bounce back from this traumatic, from this fall from grace. And how do you even get to a mm. point where you can function again before you start looking at career development and going into business or whatever that looks like. But yeah, man, I took the leap in 2018. I had my curriculum developed. I was like, I'm really going to do this. So once again, not knowing anything about business, I quit my job like a dummy. You know, I really could have kept it and done it on the side, but I just felt so strongly about it that I was like, I have to do this. I have, there's no other option. I have to do this. So, I quit my job, started doing that full time, had good months, had bad months, ended up having to move back in with my folks because I had a streak of bad months. Mm. 
But and it would have been really easy for me to, you know, go back, run back to the corporate world at that time with use my degree and use all my job experience. But I, st- I stayed with it. <clears throat> and that was three years ago, man. And obviously the mission has expanded beyond anything. I, I never thought I would write a book. I never really saw myself having a podcast. But the coaching has grown into more than just me doing one on one coaching It's expanded into many different realms. And uh, truthfully, man, I feel like I'm just getting started. You know, I'm three years in. I'm just getting warmed up. Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of what it feels like with me too, man, as far as just getting warmed up. Cause it feels like the more, uh, it, the more positive vibes that you put out in the universe, the more good content you put out, it feels like people kind of find you at that point. Like people, people, uh, not only search out to, to listen to your content, but they also end up coming, you know, to be guests on the show, to just shoot you a message and stuff like that. Just shoot you an email and say, Hey, I like what you're doing. So it's like, I've never had any kind of praise like that. I'm sure you get it a lot. I mean, with, with all the things that you've been doing, but that, that to me makes this whole thing worth it where it's like, we're, we're putting our time in, you know, uh, really supporting a a message and you've taken it. Like I said, like I mentioned, you've taken it to the upteenth level with a book, a process with all this beautiful stuff that you're working on. If, if you could give any advice to a young athlete about becoming an entrepreneur and starting your own business and, and all that, that whole, whole big ball of wax that you've done in your professional life, what kind of advice would you give that young athlete? The first thing I would say, man, is I would preface it by saying entrepreneurship's not for everybody. You know, there, there's nothing wrong with like just working a solid job or um, even you can be an entrepreneur with, within a company. Right. Or you can join a movement of other people who are entrepreneurs and like join their team. You don't have to be Mark Zuckerberg and, and spearhead like your own initiative or start an app. Um, but the main advice I would give, number one, is make sure you have a big enough why. Like make sure your reason for wanting to do this isn't just because entrepreneurship's trendy and it's cool. And you think you're, you're going to make a million bucks because chances are you're not, at least not at first. Um, but my whole goal, like. I'll put it like this, I think the best thing you can do is. Focus on who you're trying to serve, first and foremost. If you're going to go into business for yourself, you have to have an idea of who you want to serve, why you want to serve them, and then understand that don't go into it if you're not willing to be broke at it for a while. Like it takes three to five years for the average business to even be sustainable, let alone like reach millionaire status, which everyone thinks they're going to reach. Um, I'm on my third year, and I'm just now reaching a point where I can I can sustain myself where I don't have to live with my parents, Mm. where I can afford to pay my bills and, you know, keep a roof over my head based off of the work that I'm passionate about doing. But it took me three years to get here. I'm just now hitting that point. So people have to understand that, man. I think we live in an instant gratification culture and everyone thinks I'm going to be an entrepreneur. And then they try a few things for a couple months. It doesn't work out and they go running with their tails tucked between their legs. So that's what I would say. Have be clear about who you're serving, why you're doing it and be, and make sure before you even start it, that is something you're willing to stick with long-term, even if you don't see the financial rewards right away. That was one of the things that I really liked about your website when I was checking it out was it was like all of this like great material. And then it was your process was laid out and your website is tajdeshawn.com, right? Yes, sir. That's the website. Okay. A little shout out there. I wanted to make sure I got it on the air before we, you know, things got too crazy on here. Uh, (laughs) I appreciate you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, as I was going through your material, one of the things that stood out to me was the, uh, you kind of had like a warning label at the bottom of it. 
of, of <laughs> you know, your process was step one through six. And then at the bottom, it was like, this is when you really got a lot of respect for me. Uh, not that you didn't before, but I really like, I, I, it hit me different because I was like, the warning label on the bottom was like, you know, hey, if you expect me to come, you know, essentially pull your ass out of bed and <laughs> make you successful, that's insane. Like all of, the way that you laid it out, man, like I really appreciate it. And it let me know that you were doing like, like that's a lot of people that get into being in business. I feel like they rush a product or a service so fast into the market that they don't really, uh, they don't really care about like the, the full impact of it or who they're serving. But for you, you've already identified like, you know, if we're, if, you know, my business is getting you success, this is what I'm going to need back from you. Because like you said before, no one can do this for you. You have to make that decision and you have to be that person that gets your ass out of bed and, and puts, you know, foot to pavement and then foot to ass hopefully. But I mean, I, I, I really appreciated that, man. Um, as far as your process is concerned though, I know it's six or seven steps that I saw on the website, but if, if you could just quickly, you know, kind of throw it out there for listeners. What, what are you looking into? Uh, what, what, what kind of service do you provide? Absolutely, man. And I'll try to keep it as, as compact as possible. I know that, you know, I tend to get long winded, but it's only cause I'm passionate about this stuff, man. So you guys got to buy the book. If you want to understand, <laughs> <laughs> definitely check out the book, drive after sportsbook.com. Check it out. I have that book is basically somewhat of my coaching program in book format. You know, my story's in there, but I've been very intentional, Jeff, about telling people it's not an autobiography. You know, I may have elements of my story and use it for teachable moments, but for the most part, it's like a tool to help you discover how you're going to get through the transition and map out a path so that you can thrive after sports, hence the name of the book. Um, but the curriculum and the, and the program, and I was very intentional about developing this too, because we're dealing with some very heavy topics, right? Like, like I said, before we get into career and life direction and all that type of stuff, there's some healing that needs to take place. There's some things that need to be addressed before we can even get to that point. So as I was developing the curriculum, I did some consulting because I have friends of mine who are like clinical psychologists at USC. They actually work with the athletes and they would send me research okay. papers and I would like send them, hey, this is some curriculum I'm working on. What do you think about this? And they would like give me feedback you know, or, Hey, check out this research paper on athletic identity and all that type of stuff. But what I do, man, I do eight weeks and I'm always very intentional, Jeff, about saying it's not eight weeks. And then I kick them to the curb. It's, you know, they have my numbers. So they can hit me up anytime. I still talk to people I worked with three years ago, but, mm. uh, I do eight weeks for us to get through this curriculum, to get them to a place where they're in a good spot. Right. And if I, I like to break the eight weeks down, into like three different components. The first one, I call it like, getting back behind the steering wheel of your own life. So what does that look like? I'm trying to address different things that may be holding them back, um, helping them process the fact that they're no longer an athlete and addressing that athletic identity component. You know, I'm not a therapist, but like I said, I did some consulting with clinical psychologists. So I don't claim to be a therapist, but I know what the hell I'm doing when it comes to navigating those waters to be able to get, mm. like I have people break down and cry on these calls all the time, man, to be able to get some of that stuff that's holding them back out and help them come to terms with where they're at help them be proud of themselves and what they accomplished, remind them that they're still a role model. People are still looking up to them just because they're no longer an athlete. People are still going to be waiting to see what they're doing next. So once they're tuned up, right, once they're in a good place mentally, spiritually, physically, emotionally, 
Maybe I set them up with a little job just so they can get some income coming in. Now it's time to do the work of mapping out what you're going to do, not just for a quick paycheck, but what are you going to be? What's something you can be just as excited, if not more excited about waking up out of bed every day and pursuing like you were with your sport. That's my goal for anybody I work with to be able to find that thing. Um, and of course, it may not happen right away, but it's something that they have to understand. If you're really going to pursue this, it might take you two, three, four, five years. And that's okay because you're a freshman in life again. I always, I always throw that line out there. You're a freshman in life. You got to be willing to put in the work to get to your senior year, these next four years of you being able to carve out a lane for yourself that you can really pursue for the rest of your life. The last step, the last component of the eight weeks, once they're clear on the vision, I do a lot of connecting, man. I'm not, I'm not arrogant. I'm not so arrogant that I think that I'm the end all be all. Like, I'm just going to help solve all your problems. I've networked with a lot of great people over the years. So I want to utilize that network and make sure that anyone I'm working with, I'm tapping them into that network. If someone wants to get into real estate, if someone wants to get into physical therapy, if someone wants to, you know, whatever they want to do. I know people in all these industries who are former athletes who I can plug them into and they can be mentors and take them under their wing as well and give them some guidance farther than I could. Cause I'm an expert in my field, but not in every field, you know? So that's what I'm about, man. That's, that's kind of what the curriculum is in a nutshell. And, uh, Obviously, I'm always expanding it and, and looking to improve it as well. I love that. Um, uh, one thing that kind of popped up in my head, though, you mentioned that, you know, uh, that you've done some consulting with clinical psychologists. Have you ever had a case where you were helping a client where you felt like maybe it kind of overextended your reach a little bit or you felt uncomfortable because maybe something that they shared with you? Do you? In a situation like that, would you end up sending them back or, you know, referring them to any kind of like mental health help? Because I know on this podcast, you know, uh, stories have gotten deep before people have gotten really, really deep into some of the stuff that they're, you know, issues that they're dealing with. And sometimes, you know, pushing them towards that help or, or at least, at, you know, here's like some resources that could utilize. Have you ever found yourself doing that? And do you have any resources like that? 100%, man. I have a lot of people who I can pick up the phone and, and uh, you know, refer them to if they need to do that type of work. I will say, though, so I get two types of people. I've gotten people where once we get into those things, if we start talking about childhood or, um, you know, suicidal thoughts or like some of these more, you know, touchy subjects, I don't just say, oh, well, let me back off and send you to someone. I stay in the fight with them. You know what I mean? So I, I stay in there and, and I work them through that. And like I said, I've gotten pretty skilled at, at doing that, although I never claimed to be a therapist. I don't even approach it like that. But I think I've mm. developed a type of rapport and relationship with anybody I'm working with where they feel comfortable opening up about those types of things because they know that I'm going to help them get through it and use that to be able to push them forward. So that's the first type of person I get. And, and then also, man, I've attracted people who are already seeing a therapist and they want to work with me because, you know, the therapist never played sports before. The therapist doesn't, mm. they can help them with the, with whatever they're working on in their therapy sessions, but they want to work with me in tandem because I'm someone who's been through what they've been through and has a deeper understanding of where they come, they're coming from. Cause I've been through it personally. So, right. But yeah, I have the resources too, to answer your question though, to refer them to if, if need yeah. be. At, that's insane. Like, it's so funny that, you know, at, for people that are getting, you know, the, the, the psychiatrist, the kind of clinical look of it to, to realize for themselves that it's like, 
there's just some stuff that like we mentioned or I mentioned earlier on the show, the the teammate and the brotherhood of having played football and and all of the things that come with it. Sometimes it is just better to be able to reach out like one of the things and this is kind of, you know, leading into my next question is. For me, one of the things that I mentioned on the show a lot, for me, something that helped me a ton was staying in contact with team with former teammates, with former coaches, with people that were around, you know, as we were going through the whole football gig. Do you find yourself still, obviously you have a huge network. Do you find yourself still connecting with those people that you played with? Are you like in a group chat or you guys, you know, shoot to talk at all <laughs> for lack of a better term? 100%, man. Uh you know how it is, man. It's those guys are our brothers for life. And that's in any sport, you know, no matter what sport, you, if you play at a team sport, especially at an elite level, collegially or professionally, the men and women that you play with, that's family, you know, um, not so much the coaches. I will say that I, I didn't have a great experience with the coaches at Stony Brook, as I mentioned, but uh, that's all right. That's just me. But as far as teammates, man, yeah, those are, yeah, that's a brotherhood right there. Um, even guys from high school, man, just, still keeping in touch with them. And uh, it's, it's necessary, man. And I, it, this is the crazy part. I wish I would have done that more as I was going through the transition. Cause I do it now, but it's because, you know, I'm in a great place. Like I reach out, check on people, make sure they're doing all right. You know, might send them right. something funny or something to research, but uh, I could have, I could have done a lot more of that back then. Like just checking up on more people to see how they were doing um, and, and, and leaning more into those relationships and having that, camaraderie around me to answer, to answer your question, man. Absolutely. Um, so I know you're a busy man. Uh, as we're going to kind of wrap this thing up, I always like to end with this question. Uh, it's, you know, kind of a, kind of an offbeat off the wall kind of question, but wanted to ask you as well and get your feedback on it. Um, if you could go back and talk to the 16 to 18 year old, Taj, what kind of advice would you give them on what's to come on sports, on, on anything, anything that you think would be pertinent? What, what kind of advice would you give that, that young man? I love that question, Jeff, because a lot of people they'll they'll do the, what advice would you give to your former self as you were going through the transition? But I really like that question because it forces me to think deeper. Even as you were asking the question, I'm like, man, that's a powerful question right there. Um, I've gotten a couple people with it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really good. I, I like it because it actually makes me think. It's like, I would tell myself, so I, I got to close my eyes on this one, man. I imagine like I'm talking to myself. I would just say, make sure you're, you're being intentional and being prepared for what it is that's about to come. And I would say, especially if we're talking to like a 16-year-old, when you get to college, or 16 to 18 year old, when you get to college, make sure that you use the system as much as the system will use you. Make sure that if you mm -hmm. want a certain degree, fight for that degree, even if it interferes with the practice schedule. I would say don't allow external forces to alter how you feel about yourself internally. I had to deal with that a lot, man. I felt like I let certain coaches into my mind where I started doubting myself and my abilities, not only as a player, because, you know, our self-worth is attached to how we perform. I started doubting myself as a human being and my self-worth because I wasn't performing. Um, but I would say that, man, always remember who you are. Don't let, don't let people tear you down. Um, make sure that you're fighting for your position in life and putting yourself in position. And I don't just mean on the field, but putting yourself in a good position in life, being clear about what you want, 
be intentional about what you want. Think long term. Make sure that you're you're striving to to do something that can help other people and also fill you up on the inside. And also make sure that you're you're seeing yourself as more than an athlete and someone who has a lot of gifts to offer the world as long as you're able to tap into those gifts. So that's what I would say, man. That was legit. That was like you had that prepared, man. <laughs> man, you hit me, you hit me right in the chest with that question, man. It definitely wasn't prepared. I was just I was speaking from the heart, man. That's what came through yeah, me right now. That was awesome. Thank you, brother. That Appreciate was awesome, you. man. That was really good advice. Uh, so as we kind of wrap this thing up, uh, where can everyone find you at? I know you got Instagram, you got a Twitter, uh, you follow you on LinkedIn, you got a website. Uh, well, where, where can people find you on that? Absolutely. So as you alluded to earlier, TajDeshaun.com. Thank you for that plug. All the links to my Bingo. social media are on there. Uh, I'm Taj Deshaun across all social media platforms. I'm most active on Instagram and LinkedIn. More so LinkedIn. I recently got on Instagram in 2020. or back on Instagram. But yeah, you can find me on there. <clears throat> you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, the book is available at thriveaftersportsbook.com. Or if you go to tajdeshaun.com, you can just click on book. It'll take you to that page. Uh, the podcast is available on all, all platforms. You know, every single, wherever you listen to podcasts, Thrive After Sports is up there. Um, also I'm partnered with a publishing company right now, a self-publishing company. So if you're looking to tell your story to the world, if you want to publish a book, check out selfpublishing30days.com. Uh, that's the company mm. that helped me publish my book. And I thought they did such a great job that they actually offered me a position to come on as vice president and essentially build out like a sports division. So that's one of my new projects, man. Up. I'm doing a, like co-author books for athletes. To tell their story. Thank you, man. Thank you. But yeah, that's where you can find me. Cool. All right, man. Well, I really appreciate you coming on Changing the Field. Uh, thank you again so much for your time, man. It was an absolute pleasure having you on the show. I wish you all the luck in your future endeavors. Uh, keep kicking ass, man, because I'm, I'm, you got me as a fan, bro. Like, I'm, I'm definitely going to purchase the book. I'm definitely going to check out more of the podcast. Like I said, I'm like, I think I'm on like episode six or something like that. And I love it. It's, it's outstanding work, man. So keep doing your thing and, and I'll be watching, bro. Thank, Thank you, you man. Appreciate it, man. I'm a fan of you too, man. Thanks again for having me on brother. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all again for tuning in this episode of the podcast. Thank you to my guest Taj for giving us all some great insight into his journey. Make sure to like share and subscribe to this show and join the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all over the place until next time. Go do something good for someone.